Welcome to the Living Room Podcast. The Living Room is the college ministry of Buckhead Church in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information, you can check out thelivingroomatl.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this talk. To our family, how are we feeling tonight? Come on, come on. Welcome to a new year, a new semester. Welcome to a new decade. Anybody feeling really, really good, excited, refreshed about the 20s? Like, come on, anybody? Okay. I don't know what it is, but I feel like just from everyone I've talked to, there seems to be like an energy and an excitement, just some type of a vibe that's really, really good about the 20s. And people just seem to think that, man, some really good things are ahead. So I'm really, really excited. I'm excited to see all of you here tonight, especially when the college football national title game is happening. Like we thought that was kind of bold for us to kick off, but wow, y'all showed up. So that's amazing. Uh, welcome. And uh, man, it's great to see all you guys in the room tonight. Uh, did anyone have a good Christmas? Christmas break, like a fun, exciting Christmas break. Anybody go anywhere fun or do just something awesome on Christmas break? And you, wh- where'd you, what'd you do or where'd you go? Botanical gardens to see the Christmas lights. I've never been, I've heard it's absolutely unreal. That is awesome. Um, back, back there, where'd you, where'd you go? What'd you do? Say that again. Jumanji movie. I've heard Jumanji movie is amazing. I haven't seen it, but that's awesome. Uh, one more. Anybody, you go anywhere cool? Yeah, right here, right here. You turned 20 on Christmas. Wow. I don't know if that's a blessing or a curse to have your birthday on Christmas, but that's pretty awesome, I think. Maybe like double the gifts, you know. That's amazing. Um, I'm glad that you guys, it sounds like for the most part, had a good break. Anybody glad to be back? Like you're excited to be back in school? Okay, I feel like I've asked a lot of you that tonight and most people have said like, yeah, it's good to be back. Like Christmas break is just like maybe a couple days too long. For some of you, you're like, maybe it needs to be a couple days longer. I don't know, but I had a great break. I really did. It was relaxing, refreshing. It was fun. And probably one of my highlights on Christmas break um, was um, my wife, Ann, and I got to get away for a little bit. So I've been married to Ann for just a little over six years. And um, yeah, thank you. I didn't need that, but thank you. Um, but it's been probably two or three years since like we've gotten away, just the two of us together on a trip. So we got away for a couple nights. We got to go to New York City. Here's a picture of Ann and I in the Big Apple. That's us in Times Square, y'all. Here's the crazy thing about this pic. This was taken at like 11.45 p.m., yo. Like, I know you're like, why is that a big deal? We don't stay up past 10. That's why it's a big deal. Like, I'm telling you, one day you'll understand when you get a little older. Like, we ended up staying up that night past midnight. We slept in the next day till 11. It was great. Um, So that was definitely a highlight for me. Another highlight I just have to mention is I have a daughter named Willow. And some of you who've been coming to TLR for a while, you've definitely heard me talk about Willow. Willow just turned 15 months a couple days ago. She's walking everywhere now. It's crazy. It's awesome. Life is nuts. Um, but Willow loved Christmas break, and it was so fun seeing her joy and excitement just about everything. She didn't really know what was going on, but it was still pretty cool. Here's a picture of Willow just to throw her up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's funny about this is her shirt, I don't know if you can read it, but it says, better not pout. And I feel like that's like a new theme in her life that we keep telling her over and over and over again because like the last three weeks, I'm not kidding you, this girl, like I've realized, whoa, like you're 15 months, but you got some sass, like you're 15 years old. You know what I'm saying? And I, I wasn't gonna even share this story, but while we're on topic, um, like two weeks ago, I'm feeding her and, and she kind of had a little cold. I'm like, hey, you need to drink like from your sippy cup, you know, come on, like drink some. And she didn't 
really want any. And, and I, I realized looking back, like that's pretty annoying if you're not really thirsty, you don't wanna drink and someone just keeps throwing like water in your face. But, but that's beside the point. I was like, you need to take a sip. And so I just like kept putting it up there and I'm like, you're gonna drink this water. And finally she just smacks it away and goes, stop dada, not kidding you. Um, and I was like, whoa, like, but anyways, uh, so that was great. Uh, it has nothing to do with what we're talking about tonight. But, um, but that was great. Christmas break was great, but man, it's so good to be back. I'm excited for this spring at the living room. I'm excited for this year at the living room. I think it's gonna be the best year and the best semester that we've ever had. I really do believe that. And it's so good to see all of you in the room tonight, especially if it's your very first time. Every single Monday is somebody's first Monday at the living room. So if that's, if that's you tonight, or if it's your first time back in a while, um, or if you've been coming for a while, it's great to see you here. But there's a couple things that you'll hear us say a lot around the living room. One is that we wanna be a home away from home for college age students, a place for you to belong and a place where you can connect. We wanna be a home away from home and we really do believe that this gathering is more than just a gathering of college age students on a Monday night, but we really do believe that this is family. And I know that might be kind of hard for you to believe if it's your first time or first time back in a while, but I'm convinced more than ever that if you just keep coming over time, eventually you're gonna start to feel that, you're gonna start to believe that to be true. So many other people have found that to be true that this really does feel like a family. And there's some things that we've done. We know this is a big gathering, but we're really, intentional about trying to make this big gathering feel small. You heard about small groups. That's one of the ways we do it. But another way we do it, and maybe one of the most important ways, is we have a group of committed people who are some of the best people in the world, honestly, and they are committed to showing up just about every Monday night to serve all of you. And you see these people all around in the t-shirts at the first time table at the food area, greeting you when you come in through the doors off the buses or you know, guiding you into the parking garage if you drive. And uh, for many of you, maybe not all of you, but for many of you, I would love to challenge you to be a part of that. I would love to challenge you to start serving here at the living room on Monday nights. It'd be a great way for you to get more involved here at TLR. And if that's you, if you're interested in serving here or if you just have maybe more questions and you're like, maybe, I don't know, I would love for you to do this right now. I would love for you to text SERVE to 89800. You can pull your phone out right now, it's cool. Text SERVE to 89800. You're gonna get a link sent back to you. You click on that link, fill out the form. The form is not signing you up to serve for the next decade. The form is just saying, hey, I'm interested. I'd like to hear more. Once you fill out that form, someone from our team will follow up with you over the next few days to talk through your best next steps. But we have opportunities on the guest services teams that I just mentioned, and we have a new opportunity for many of you to serve on the production team. So if you're interested in production, kind of want to know how all this happens, we would love for you to jump on that team, help us run cameras and things like that. So I'm telling you, if you have any interest at all, or if you've ever wanted to serve or know what it's about here at the living room, we'd love for you to jump on and do that. Text serve to 89800, fill out that form, and we'll follow up with you. But man, I'm excited for tonight because tonight we're kicking off a brand new series here at the living room that we're calling Guaranteed Ways to Ruin Your Life. <laughs> Guaranteed ways to ruin your life. And I can hear just by some of you being like, oh, like some of you are like, that's pretty bold. Like guaranteed, you know? Because if you're anything like me, like when someone makes a guarantee to you, you're kind of skeptical. Like I have salespeople in my life, you know, in the past that have been like, hey, like guarantee if you buy this product, you are going to feel this way in 30 days. You know, you buy this product, your life will change. I'm like, how can you guarantee that? Like, do you see the future? No, you don't. Um, weathermen do this all the time. You know, they'll be like, it is a guarantee that tomorrow at 10 a.m., 100% chance of rain. 
which I've always thought, like how can they say a 100% chance? What if it doesn't rain? Do they get fired? I don't know. Uh, but how can you make a guarantee? So maybe you're like, wow, that's, that's bold. And if you're a little bit skeptical, I get it. But here is the reason that we titled this series, what we titled this series, Guaranteed Ways to Ruin Your Life. Because this series really isn't about theories or just your best hypothesis, your best guess. No, this series is based on predictable outcomes. How many of you know what I'm talking about when I say predictable outcomes? Like, have you ever been in, in a dating relationship before? Or maybe you have a friend that you know that is in a dating relationship or has been in a dating relationship. And when they get in that relationship, you're like, listen, I'm telling you, it's so predictable. I can see it. Like, I can see the writing on the wall now. Like, in three months, they're gonna cheat on you and you're gonna get your heart broken, I'm telling you. And they're like, no, never. And then like, it happens, you know? And you're like, I could see it all along. Maybe for you, it's, it's not dating, but maybe for you, it's like really late at night at like 2 a.m., you go to Taco Bell and get like six tacos. And it's so predictable. Like, it is a guarantee that when you eat six tacos from Taco Bell or really anywhere for that matter, the next morning, you're not gonna be feeling too great. Maybe for you, it's like staying up late and you stay up till like three, four in the morning and then the next day, it is a predictable outcome. It is a guarantee that the next morning, that next day, in fact, you are gonna be feeling lethargic. Like you're not gonna have much energy, you're gonna be exhausted, you're not gonna be focused. Maybe for you, it's like not, not studying, you know? Like some of us have, have convinced ourselves almost that like if we don't study, we might do better on the test, you know? I don't know how that works out, but can I just tell you that's, that's not how it works out, you know? And if it did, then like, God worked a miracle, I don't know. But when you don't study the predictable outcome, the guarantee is that you're not gonna do as well on the quiz or test or exam as you would've if you would've studied. Maybe it's procrastination. Some of you are like, I'm a pro at procrastination. That was a dad joke, I won't do another one. Um, didn't land. But uh, maybe you're like, yeah, I'm really good at it. Like, I, I procrastinate all the time. I push things off until the last minute. That's me, like, I, I, I am a procrastinator. I'm telling you, I'm working on it, but it's just the way it is. And what's the predictable outcome when you procrastinate? You're gonna feel a little more stressed, a little more worried because you don't have a lot of time. You have this pressure. And that's what this series is about. Predictable outcomes, guaranteed ways to ruin your life, guaranteed ways to lead you down a path in life that you never wanted to go down. Guaranteed ways for you to start to become a type of person that you never want it to become. Guaranteed ways to ruin your dating life. Guaranteed ways to bring a lot, about a lot more pain and regret in your life. Guaranteed ways to rob you of God's best for your life. Guaranteed ways to ruin your life. And I really can't think of a more timely conversation to be having at the start of this new year, at the start of 2020. Because for many of you, if you're being honest, like when you look back on last year, on 2019, you think, man, maybe it was a good year, maybe it wasn't such a good year, but regardless, all of us have a few moments, a few decisions, a few experiences that we wish we could just leave in 2019. Like we don't wanna repeat those things. But not only is this a really important, pivotal conversation to be having at the start of the new year, I think maybe even more so, this might be an extremely pivotal conversation to have at the start of a new decade as we launch into the 20s. Because I, I thought about this as I was preparing for, for this talk and for this series that I thought back to, to last decade, the beginning of last decade, 10 years ago in 2010. And back in 2010, I was sitting in a very similar seat that you're sitting in. I, I just graduated high school, 
I was in my first year of college. I was at community college at the time in St. Louis, Missouri, where I'm from. And I remember thinking, man, a lot could happen in these next 10 years. A lot could happen in this decade, but I had no clue what that decade had in store for me. And a whole lot, looking back now, a whole, whole lot did happen in the past decade for me. Like I got married, I now have a daughter, I moved halfway across the country, I'm in a, I'm in a, I moved to a couple apartments and now a house. I have a job now working at a church and a ministry that I absolutely love. And all I'm trying to say is a whole lot can happen in 10 years. A lot can happen for you in, this next, in these next 10 years, in this decade, in the 20s. And the reason I'm saying this is because you need to know that your future isn't gonna be dictated by like five years from now. No, no, your future is gonna be dictated right now. Like your future starts now. The decisions that you're making now have consequences for tomorrow. The choices you make today will tell the stories of tomorrow. So I'm telling you, it is so important for you to take right now seriously, to not miss this season of your life, to not say, yeah, I have all these big dreams and goals and desires down the road, but right now in this season of my life in college, I'm just gonna kind of live it up, do whatever I wanna do, you know, date whoever I wanna date, just kind of, you know, weekends, just live it up, you know, do the whole normal college thing. I'm telling you, you can do that. That might be cool in this season, but you're gonna regret it a few years down the road because you're gonna realize, wow, these decisions really did have an impact on my future. And man, I don't want you to waste this season, this unique season of your life and get to the end of it and think, man, I wish I would've lived differently. Your future begins right now. And that's why this series, I believe, is so important because we're gonna be talking about three things, three pitfalls that you need to avoid, three things that are guaranteed to ruin your life. And the first one that we're gonna talk about tonight is one that lives down deep inside every single one of us. All of us struggle with this to some degree. And it's that thing that is constantly trying to work its way up to come out in your life, in your words, thoughts, and actions, and it's this thing called pride, pride. And pride is that thing that's, that's so easy to see in others, right? Like if I were to say to you, I'm not saying this to you, but if I were to say to you, hey, like tell me, you know, maybe just a couple people in your life that you would say are pretty prideful that kind of have a pride problem, you'd be like, a couple, how about like 22, you know? Um, let me tell you about the person sitting next to me right now or this person, don't do that. Um, but it, seriously, it's so easy to see in other people. And when we see it in other people, we're like, Ugh, I don't wanna be near that. Like when I'm around someone that's prideful, like I, I run away from that. Like I don't wanna have prideful friends. I don't wanna you know, have prideful teammates. I don't wanna have prideful coworkers. Like no, I don't wanna be around people that have pride. But pride is so easy to see in other people, but yet it is so difficult. It's almost impossible to see in ourselves. Like when you look in the mirror, you're like, pride? pride? I, think, I don't think I have pride, right? Like they do, but I don't. They have a pride problem, I'm good. A couple days ago, this past Wednesday, I was, um, had a couple friends in town and we're, we're all pretty into sports. And so I was like, hey, like, let's go to the Hawks game. The Hawks uh, were playing the Rockets, James Harden, you know, and uh, Russell Westbrook, although he wasn't playing that night. And I'm like, I haven't seen a Hawks game in a while. Trey Young, you know, he's balling out. And so I was like, let's just go to a game. And they're like, cool, do we have tickets? And I'm like, no, but like, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take Marta, we're gonna go downtown, we're gonna get to the arena, State Farm or whatever it's called. I feel like it changes its name every two weeks. Um, but when we get down to the arena, like we're just gonna buy some from some people selling tickets outside 
outside the arena, you know? Like, I've done this before. I'm really good at this. Like, I take a lot of pride in this. I'm like, we'll be good. We'll end up getting real good seats for not a lot of money. And so they're like, okay, like, we'll, we'll trust you, man. And so we get, we get on the Marta, we get downtown where it's like 20 minutes till game time. Everything's working out great, uh, going according to plan. I find a couple guys and I'm like, hey, I need lower bowl seats for this price. They're like, keep walking. I'm like, cool. So I keep walking. And finally, I come up to a guy, like the third or fourth guy that I see. And I'm like, hey, man, here's the deal. I have this much money. I want seats that like are in the lower bowl, but preferably like close, you know, I want really good seats and I don't wanna pay a lot of money. The game starts in 10 minutes. Like, come on, man, help me out. I'll help you out. And after a lot of convincing, a lot of negotiating, finally bargaining, if you will, he's like, let's do it. So I give him $220 for four tickets, okay? I was not paying for my friends. They were gonna Venmo me back. I'm not that generous, all right? Um, just had to say that. Some of you were like, yo, bro, you wanna go to the game next week? I'm like, yeah, if you pay. All right, so... So I give them 220 bucks, $55 a ticket for seats that were like center court, like 15 rows up. These, six, these seats were like normally like $125 or something like that. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. My friends are like high-fiving me. They're like, bro, you came through. Like I've never seen anything like that. Like I didn't know that mat existed. And I'm like, I told y'all, you know? And we walk up and we go through like the metal detectors and we go to scan our tickets. And I'm like, here you go. I'm like, guys, this is gonna be the great, like this is gonna be so awesome. We hand them our tickets. Yeah, y'all know where this is going. <laughs> I didn't see it coming. I hand them my tickets. The lady's like, uh, I don't know. And I'm like, yo, yo, you scanned it upside down. Like, you know, work it out. And she like, it scans again. I'm like, who cares? We don't need tickets, right? And she's like, no, 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 you do need tickets. And I'm like, okay, well, what do we do? And she's like, we'll go to the box office. I don't know, maybe they can work it out. So I walk over to the box office, right? And the box office guy, like, barely even looks at the tickets. Like, he just glances down. He's like, yeah, these are fake. They're fake tickets. I don't know what to tell you. I was like, well, what, what, what can we do? Like, what can you do for us? He's like, nothing. I'm like, what can we do? He's like, I don't know. Like, where'd you get them? I was like, that guy. And me and my friends are like, yo, peace. You know, we run. We're trying to find this guy. We find him abroad. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we were ready to fight. Honestly, I don't, we would have, it would not have turned out well, but uh, clearly I'm not a fighter. But, um, but we were looking for this guy. He was nowhere to be found. And I'm like, oh no, but listen, for the next 35 minutes, maybe longer, maybe 45 minutes, I don't even know, I walked around with my three friends who were with me and I felt terrible, but I was like, guys, it's fine. I'll still find a way to get us in. Like, we're good. I'll find a way. And eventually one of my friends was like, Matt, we're not going to the game. It's like midway through the first half. You know, like it's not even worth it at this point. We just gotta move on. I'm super hungry. My friend says this. He's like, I'm really hungry, Matt. I haven't eaten dinner. You have. Like, we gotta move on, bro. I don't know why you're so prideful about this. And I was like, whoa. What do you mean prideful about this? Like, I don't have pride. Now I know what I'm talking about on Monday night, right? And I'm like, I don't have a pride problem, you know? Like, I don't. And here's the thing. Some of you in the room feel the same way. Some of you in the room, as soon as I said we're talking about pride, you're like, oh, I'm so good, because like my friend, my bro's here and he needs to hear this, like he does, you know? <laughs> But I, I don't, so you're like, you know, scrolling through, you're checking the score of the game right now, you know, and you're just, you're good. Can I just say this to you as lovingly as possible, and I'm saying this to myself as well. Those who strongly believe they do not struggle with pride are most likely pretty strongly struggling with pride. If you really, really strongly believe that you do not have a pride problem, then you probably have a pretty strong pride problem. And right now an alert should be going off and you should be saying, oh my goodness, that's me. I've got a pride problem. I've got some blind spots. The thing about pride is pride will keep you from seeing your own pride. That's crazy, right? 
Pride's a problem. It's why the great theologian C.S. Lewis says this. Check this out. This is wild. He says, unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are more flea, mere flea bites in comparison. He says, pride leads to every other vice. Essentially, what C.S. Lewis is saying here is that pride is the gateway drug. Pride leads to every other vice. It leads to every other sin in our life. Every sin in our life at its core, at the root of it, is found in pride. That's where it begins. And pride will keep us from apologizing to other people. It'll keep us from forgiving one another. It will keep us from asking for help or seeking out advice or wise counsel in our life. Pride will keep us in unhealthy relationships and it'll keep us away from healthy and growing and thriving relationships. Pride will keep you from a growing faith or even a faith at all. But pride doesn't just keep us from things. No, pride also causes us to do and say and think some things. Like pride causes us to feel joy when others fail. Pride causes us to think that we're better than other people, to devalue others. Pride causes us to ignore warning signs in our life. Like a warning sign goes off and it's like, you shouldn't be in that relationship, you shouldn't hang out with them, you know, you shouldn't be going there, you shouldn't be doing that or watching that. And we're like, that doesn't apply to me. Like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm, I'm, I'm above that. Pride causes us to cheat to get ahead. Pride causes us to get defensive when people approach us and try to help us and try to correctly like guide us, redirect us down a different path in our lives. And pride causes us to lie. It causes us to lie, to make ourselves look a little bit better than somebody else, to make our situation look a little bit better, to make someone else or someone else's situation look a little bit worse. And ultimately, you know what pride does? Pride keeps us from doing what we know we should do. It keeps us from saying what we know we should say. Pride gets in the way from all healthy and thriving relationships in our life. And pride gets in the way, ultimately, it gets in the way of us having a growing relationship with God. It's a really, really big deal. King Solomon was arguably one of the richest, most wise people to ever live. And King Solomon writes this in Proverbs chapter 11, verse two. Check this out. He says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. He says, pride always has a plus one and it's disgrace. With pride comes disgrace, humiliation, arrogance, ignorance, all of that. I love the way the message version of the Bible says it. The message version of the Bible is just like a paraphrase of the Bible. And I love how it says this verse, Proverbs eleven two, in the message version. Check this out. It says, the stuck up, the prideful fall flat on their faces. Those who are prideful, maybe not right away in the moment, but over time as they're living in continuous pride, eventually they fall flat on their faces. It's not a place you wanna be. It's a guaranteed way to ruin your life, I'm telling you. If you want to ruin your life, be prideful. Solomon goes on, look at the way he finishes this verse. He says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace but with humility comes wisdom. With humility comes wisdom. He says humility has a plus one as well, and it's wisdom. Wisdom to know what to do and when to do it. Wisdom to know what to say and what not to say. Wisdom to, to know when to take this opportunity and when to say, no, 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 I'm gonna be patient. He says with humility 
comes wisdom. Can I just tell you this? And listen, this is so important for you to know at the start of this year, at the start of this decade, like if you can get this and really own this right now, I'm telling you, you're gonna be so grateful for it at the end of this year and definitely at the end of this decade, at the end of the 20s, if you can understand this right here. Pride distorts, but humility gives clarifying wisdom. Pride will always distort your view of yourself, your view of others, and ultimately your view of God. But humility, humility would give you clarifying wisdom, meaning you can see yourself the way that you need to see yourself. You can see others the way that you need to see others. And ultimately you can see God the way that you need to see God. Pride distorts, but humility gives clarifying wisdom. Some of you feel like you've been living in a fog and it's honestly, it's because you've been living with this pride and maybe you don't even see it. Maybe it's a complete blind spot in your life. But man, if you could start to see it, that's the first step in overcoming a pride problem is just recognizing and admitting that you have potentially a pride problem. And if you could begin to turn away from that and walk forward and live in humility, I'm telling you, you would start to get some clarity. You'd start to gain some wisdom and you'd be like, wow, I never saw that. It's been there all along, I just never saw it. There's this guy named Peter, and Peter was one of the closest friends and followers of Jesus. He was one of Jesus' disciples, and Peter had this moment with Jesus. Jesus was having dinner just before he went to the cross with his disciples, his closest followers, and Jesus was in the room, and everyone kinda thought like, man, Jesus is definitely the most important person in the room. Like, we should all be honoring him and kinda like serving him, but Jesus completely flips the script. And Peter in the moment did not understand what was happening as Jesus is getting down, washing their feet and serving them. And I know we're like, washing your feet, what? But back in that culture, that was a way of showing someone honor and serving someone. That was something that like someone of really low position would be doing. And Jesus gets down on his knees and starts washing the feet of his disciples, his closest followers. And Peter didn't understand it in the moment. He couldn't fathom what was going on. But later on in his life, Peter understood what Jesus was doing, the example that he was setting. And look at what Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse five. He says, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. He goes on to say, all of you, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. I love that. Clothe literally means to, to tie on. He says, I want you to tie on Humility, I have this apron right here. And I don't use an apron a lot, but ordered this off Amazon a couple days ago, so see if I even know how to use it. I think I do, it's pretty self-explanatory, Matt. Um, what Peter is saying is, hey, looks good, right? <laughs> wow, come on with it. Uh, Peter's saying, hey, this is the posture that I want you to take. The posture of a servant, okay? He's saying, Someone who wears an apron, like they're serving others. They are being hospitable towards others. They are walking in humility. And Peter's saying, this is what it means to live in humility. Like when you're living in pride, you're never gonna put on an apron because you're never gonna have that posture. You're always gonna think, no, 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 I need to be served. Like I'm entitled to more than that. I'm not gonna serve unless like you really deserve it. Like I'm not gonna do that. But look at what Peter goes on to say. Look at the way this finishes. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because, this is why, God opposes the proud, but, finish it out. Do we have that? Do we have the next verse? Maybe not. But God opposes the proud, but you know what it says next? I love this. 
says he shows favor to the humble. God opposes the proud. I don't know who's in the room or what your beliefs are on God, but I would imagine that you don't want God to be opposing you in life. God says, I'm not looking for people that are prideful, but I am looking to show favor on those who are humble, on those who are willing to put on an apron and serve others and walk in humility and let go of their pride. So students, can I just ask you this? Honestly, when's the last time you willingly put on an apron? And I'm not saying like, oh, last night in your dorm, you cooked a really good meal. I'm not talking about that. Like, I'm saying, when's the last time you willingly, not out of obligation because you had to, not because it was your job, but when's the last time you willingly said, man, I'm gonna lay down my pride and I'm gonna walk in humility. I'm gonna tie on an apron today and clothe myself with humility. For some of you, you're having a hard time calling to mind a single time. Maybe you've never done that. And that might be the greatest assurance that you need that, man, you've got some pride you need to work, work through. For me in my life, I was thinking, I don't know when the last time is. Can I just tell you a few things about pride and a few things about humility really quick? Pride will lie to you. Like pride lies, pride blurs reality in our life. Pride will puff us up. Pride will make us feel entitled to things. Pride will whisper it's all their fault, it's not your fault. Pride will block out God. Pride lies, but humility clarifies. Humility reminds us we are above nothing and no one. We're not better than other people. Humility allows us to think rightly about ourselves. Humility allows us to see the greatness of God and to think rightly about him and rightly about other people. Pride lies, but humility clarifies. Pride paralyzes. Pride will paralyze us. It will lock us into our mistakes. It will keep us from forgiving other people. It will keep us from learning and growing and moving forward in our life. Pride paralyzes, but humility mobilizes. Humility sends us out. Humility goes and seeks out reconciliation. Humility admits fault, it admits when you're wrong. Humility looks to serve. Humility willingly ties on the apron and says, I wanna serve you, not because I have to, because I want to, because I wanna walk forward in humility. Pride paralyzes, but humility mobilizes. Pride hurts. Pride will hurt other people in your life. Pride will make you think you're better than others. It will devalue others. Pride finds joy in others' failures. Pride compares. Pride hurts, but humility helps. Humility helps. Humility helps other people in your life. Humility helps you love as Jesus loved. Humility always protects the relationships in your life. Humility says, I'm gonna love others even when I disagree with others. And man, how important is that in this year, 2020, as we walk into an election season in just a few months where you're gonna disagree with a whole lot of people and you're gonna hear some things that make you really mad and you're gonna wanna say, man, forget you. But God says, hey, 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 hold up, hold up. That's pride, that's pride. What would it look like for you to walk in humility? It's okay for you to just disagree with somebody but yet love them unconditionally. And that's really, really hard to do. We'll talk about that more throughout this semester. Pride hurts, humility helps. I told you I went to the Hawks game and 
after a while, eventually my friends were like, okay, Matt, like we just gotta move on. And I was like, all right, well, like, I don't know what we're gonna do. And they're like, well, let's just get on some scooters, some bird scooters or lime scooters and let's go ride. And I was like, cool. And it hit me right when I got on the scooter that like Duke was playing Georgia Tech that night just a couple miles down the road at the McCamish Pavilion, I think that's what it's called, McCamish, whatever, McCamish, yeah. And, um, and I was like, cool, let's, let's go to the Duke Georgia Tech game. At this point, one of my friends had bailed, but the other two were still there, two from out of town that were with me that couldn't leave. And I'm like, yeah, let's go, man. Like, I was like, look, I'll get us tickets, not from the guy on the street, but I'll, I'll go on StubHub and buy us tickets. It'll be on me, it'll be great, it'll be fun, it'll kinda redeem the night, I think. I don't know, I'm hoping so. And so we go, we you know, get on our bird scooters, we ride like two miles down the street um, to, um, to Georgia Tech. And we get there and we get tickets. And through a series of events, we end up sitting in these seats right here. Front row, Court side, not court side, but on the other side of the court side. Um, it was pretty cool, all famous people over here and then us, but it was still awesome. And the game ended up being amazing. Like Georgia Tech almost pulled off one of the biggest upsets of the year. Duke's the number two ranked team in the country. It came down to the wire. Georgia Tech didn't win, but it was an amazing game. We're going crazy. Like we're high-fiving people around us, literally like three feet away from the, from the players and from the court. And this is so awesome. I caught a t-shirt. I caught a cookie. Who knew they threw out cookies at games? Georgia Tech does apparently. It was awesome. But you know what I realized that night when I got home? That if I wouldn't have laid down my pride I would have missed out on an amazing experience. And come on, the same is true in your life. If you're not willing to admit that you deal with pride to some degree, then you are gonna miss out on some amazing experiences in your life. If you're not willing to let go of pride and walk forward in humility, you're gonna miss out on some amazing opportunities. You're gonna miss out on some amazing growth that God wants to do in this season of your life. You're gonna miss out on some amazing opportunities for you to influence others. You're gonna miss out and I don't want you to miss out. So let go of pride. Recognize that you have it. Go to your three closest friends and say, hey, where do you see pride in my life? Just be as completely honest with me as you can. Where do you see pride? Because I've gotta let go of it right now. I've gotta recognize it and I've gotta begin to move forward and walk forward and start to live in humility. Maybe it's you and some friends, you and your small group getting together and being like, hey, how can we serve others? Maybe it's like, man, I'm gonna start serving at the living room on Monday nights. That's a great way to tie on an apron and to start to walk forward in humility. But I'm telling you, pride is a guaranteed way to ruin your life, so do whatever it takes to let go of pride so that you can begin to walk forward in humility and experience life to the full the way God intended for it to be. Would you stand with me as I pray for us tonight? We're gonna close out in just a second here after I pray with a song. The band can come on out. You guys can start moving all this off the stage. And we're gonna close out with a song called King of My Heart because we really just wanted to create some space at the end of the night for you at the start of this semester, at the start of this year, at the start of this decade to start to think, man, where do I have pride in my life? And maybe tonight in these final few moments that we have together, maybe this is gonna be an opportunity for you to say, you know what? Who is the king of my heart? Who am I following? Because I'm just gonna say this to you, if you're following anyone but Jesus, if anyone but God and Jesus is the king of your heart, then most likely you're living in pride. But once you say, Jesus, you're the king of my heart, and maybe you're not there yet, that's cool. 
But once you can honestly say that, then the natural response is a posture like this, of surrender and of following Jesus and walking forward and humility. And when you do that, you'll start to see that he's good. He's good, even when circumstances and the situation around you isn't, he's good. So Jesus, we just pray, I just pray tonight that a whole bunch of students would have the courage to take a step, that they'd have the, the boldness right now in this moment to, to potentially see their pride, but then not just stay there, but to start to move forward out of it. Lord, that's my prayer. My prayer is that some students, hundreds of students and leaders tonight would move forward, that at the start of 2020, January 13th, 2020, at the start of this decade, that we collectively as a family here at the living room would begin to let go of pride and to begin to walk forward in humility, trusting that you have so much in store for us to experience and we don't wanna miss out on it. So Jesus, tonight we say, would you be the king of our heart? We know you're good, you're good. It's in your mighty name we pray tonight and everybody said, amen.